Life in the music industry can be a brutal one. Longevity in the field takes determination, mental toughness, and of course, some extreme talent. It's one thing to stay afloat in music. It's a whole other thing to become a household name. While some have done it completely on their own, Joe Jonas will tell you that having your family by your side on the way up makes getting to the top just a little sweeter. So what a man gotta do, what a man gotta do to be totally locked up by you. Joe Jonas was born in Casa Grande, Arizona, raised in a musical family alongside his older brother Kevin and younger brothers Nick and Frankie. It seemed Joe was destined for a career on stage. In 2005, he got together with Nick and Kevin to write what would become the Jonas Brothers' very first song. They signed a record deal with Columbia Records shortly after. They toured the country, opening up for acts like Kelly Clarkson, Jesse McCartney, and the Backstreet Boys before releasing their debut album. The release was less than stellar. After numerous delays on the project, it was later discovered Columbia had no interest in supporting the band anymore, and in 2007, they were dropped from the label. Guess, 2008 would be a big year for Joe and his brothers as they began filming a documentary about their life and Joe made his lead acting debut in Camp Rock starring opposite fellow Disney star Demi Lovato. The following year, Joe and his brothers starred in their Disney Channel series Jonas, which would be followed only by one other season, Jonas LA, before being taken off the air. The band would release their fourth studio album while Joe went on to film Camp Rock 2, The Final Jam, in 2010. In 2011, it was announced Joe Jonas would be recording a solo album, throwing fans into an absolute frenzy over the future of the Jonas Brothers. It was a tumultuous year for Joe as his debut single failed to reach more than 92 on the Billboard Hot 100. And by May of 2012, it was made public that the Jonas Brothers were no longer signed with Hollywood Records. The following year, the Jonas Brothers attempted to get back in the studio to work on a new album, released a few singles, but ultimately canceled their upcoming tour days before it started, citing deep rift between the band and creative differences. The Jonas Brothers confirmed the band's end only days later. Enter DNCE. With the Jonas Brothers over, Joe set his sights on more new music by starting a new band. Their breakout hit, Cake by the Ocean, set the music world on fire and opened the door to quite a few opportunities for Joe including joining The Voice in Australia. Joe also did some songwriting for movies and even voiced a character in Hotel Transylvania 3. I'm a sucker for you. Alas, Joe couldn't be separated from his brothers for long. 2019 would be a massive year for Joe yet again. He married Game of Thrones star Sophie Turner, and the Jonas Brothers reunited and put out a new album, sending longtime friends into nostalgic bliss while cultivating an entirely new fan base who now see the bros all grown up. My name is Brew, and this is The Spout Podcast, where famous people spout off for more than what they're famous for. And today, that's Joe Jonas. I'm a sucker for you. Hi, everyone. What's up? I'm so thrilled to be here. How you doing, man? Amazing. You, I got to tell you something. I had the biggest throwback thing the other day. I was at like the Dollar Tree, and I bought something that I haven't bought since I was probably like six years old. 
and it was a baby bottle pop. Remember those? And you know what popped my head right away? Baby bottle pop. You know that song. Do you know the lyrics? You can lick it something and I don't know. <laughs> Nowadays, I don't want to like <laughs> say it, but <laughs> it's kind of a weird concept, you know? You can lick it, lick it, dunk it, dunk it's in there, right? Yes. I don't remember, but we did a commercial for Baby Bottle Pop very early in our career. So anyone that's listening and, and saying, why are we, why are these guys talking about Baby Bottle Pop? Um, me and my brothers, it was like one of our first reasons to fly to LA. We really felt like we made it. And I'll never forget years later, we had a live performance and we had to perform. It was a contractual that we performed the song live. And it was a great deal because we got a ton of free baby bottle pops. <laughs> yeah. We also um, got to fly to LA for the first time. So we went to like Santa Monica beach. We shot this video and I don't think it like actually was anything like a music video. I think it, it lived on YouTube or something. Regardless, uh, we had to play the song live. And when it came to actually play the song live, we were too embarrassed to actually perform it live that John Taylor, our guitar player at the time who now works uh, in our management company, he performed it live by himself. I'm sure you can find it somewhere online, but you can see us in the background, just too embarrassed to sing <laughs> songs. There's your baby bottle pop experience. Well, how long can the song be? Cause I, I won't lie. Like for some reason it just like popped in my head. I was like, why, why does your brain keep those things? Like the most obscure memory is that like music video. I looked it up on YouTube right after and it was like two minute song for a baby, for baby bottle pop. I think we sped it up as well because that was our early days when we were obsessed with pop, everything pop punk. We wanted to make the song kind of sound like some of our, our, our favorite bands, which only really meant speeding it up as fast as we could. So it's a song that usually goes like baby bottle pop. So it turned into baby bottle pop, baby bottle pop. It just sounds like it's in fast forward. Dude, speaking of uh, speeding the things up, perfect segue to slowing things down. I saw this, you know, things on TikTok go viral like from years, years ago. There's a video of you guys um, slowing down your old interviews. Should we do that whole interview, this whole thing like slow motion? You- <laughs> uh, this, will be, this will be hilarious. Us speaking about baby bottle pops for the first three minutes. People have been like, wow, they're, they sound, it makes you sound really drunk or really high, something. If you listen to it in slow motion, back then we were just so enthusiastic about anything just young kids so you talk to us about what we were up to we're like we are so excited oh my god this is so exciting everything we probably would say the word exciting every other word and uh you slow it down and it just sounds like somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about um which i guess we we didn't really know what we were talking about but uh highly recommend slowing down this podcast after you listen to it you can do that now on any like platform. You can either speed it up so you can get through them faster or... That's how I listen to my news. I listen to my morning NPR and it's I always put it into fast forward. My wife thinks I'm crazy because she can hear it from the other room. So as I'm working out, I'm listening to my morning news. It's like sped up, I think, to like... I think it's times two. Way too fast to listen to anything. And I also... Uh, I do it with my audiobooks. So right now I'm listening to Will Smith on on fast forward, essentially. It's not sped up to the point where I'm missing anything. Like I, I can hear everything clearly, and I understand what they're talking about, and I love it. And and so, if you're looking for a good read, check it out. What is life like right now? Like, how are you balancing everything? I'm just, I'm so grateful that I get to continue to do this. Still feel pretty young and fresh to keep continue doing this. Um, we have a new song with Kygo, DNC, and I. We started making music again last year. I was in Savannah, Georgia, working on a movie. Uh, called Devotion that will come out later this year. In Savannah, I, I just found so much inspiration from the city, the people that I was meeting, and, and also the time that I had on my, uh, on my hands because I was just 
sitting around waiting to be called to set. What they don't tell you when you sign up for a film is that you're gonna have a lot of time off. So um, whether it be my trailer or back at the house that we were renting, I found myself on a lot of Zoom writing sessions. Um, so I was doing a lot of stuff with Brian Tedder and Jason Evigan, um, Mike Elizondo, Mickey Echo, some of the most amazing writers and producers that I really respect. I, I'm grateful and lucky enough to call friends. And so we would get on Zoom like this or FaceTime and just start working on these ideas. It started just kind of like a, a conversation. Like, I, I think I want to make some more DNC stuff. Let's see what happens. And then it just like, you look up and, and we had almost an album's worth of songs that I didn't know what to do with. So after having a great team at Republic Records and out of nowhere, it was perfect timing. This guy go hit me up and was like, Hey, I have this song that I think could be really interesting. Take a listen. And David Stewart, who he co-wrote the song with David Stewart, who is a phenomenal songwriter, producer, and now a good friend. He lives here in the UK. He wrote songs like Dynamite, might have heard of it from BTS. And it was great to have like Kygo in the room. Um, so it was like the first session I actually recorded, I guess, in person since the pandemic started. And it's been the launching pad back into music again as a band. So there's no real timeline. It's just, let's see how uh, Dancing Feet does. And, and people really love it, which they seem to really enjoy it and um, kind of ride that wave. And then more to come. DNC has always been such a vibe and like, it is fun to be able to have those projects. What does it look like for gigs coming up? Cause everyone's clamoring for, you know, concerts and stuff like that. Is there the wheels turning on that? Like doing gigs with DNCE got the Joe bros. Like, absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's, there's always gigs on the horizon. Jonas brothers. Also, we've got uh, a Vegas residency that we announced um, and the tickets sold really quick. So it was just a hard show not to say no to. I think if you're a fan, I mean, you're going to Vegas. It's a good time. And so I'll have DNC pop up on on stage there. And then Kygo's got a bunch of really exciting gigs. So I would just, if you're a fan of him or us or just of music and you're a music lover, and if you like EDM and you want to go to a festival, then you may or may not see us on stage with him. So we'll see. Um, we're trying to work out a few things. And I love performing live with DNC, so I want to figure out some interesting concepts that we can do live. I, the the game has changed of what live shows are like, so in a safe setting, if we can figure out some pop up gigs, I would. That's that's always a good time. Back to the Vegas residency, how are those crowds? Because it's funny that being you know a kid that grew up with you, like I'm over 21 now, I just turned 25. Like those shows got to be all the kids that like grew up with you who can now drink, go to Vegas, or is it just like older people? Because you know Vegas leans older. Like, what's the crowd look like? It's fun because it's as if like you go to Vegas and you're almost like seeing sports fans of like going to a city to watch their favorite. If you're like a let's say you're a Big Ten State fan, which me and my brothers are like honorary Penn Staters. So we, we go to a lot of games and we go support. And if Penn State's playing in, say, Ohio or Florida or something like that, if you fly in and you see like everyone wearing the same team colors as you and they're walking through the hallways of the hotel or they're at, um, if it's in Vegas, you see, you see these people and you're like, my people, oh, amazing. And so I feel like it's the same way when you go see a band. And that's what it feels like at a Jonas Brothers show in Vegas. We kicked our tour off there last year. What was so exciting to see in person was all these fans coming out to support us. And you're walking through the hallways, you're at the table, you're, you're gambling at the tables, you're at the bars, and you're like, am I sharing drink, having a drink with a fan? You know, you're like, at, you're playing blackjack with a fan. It's like, that's exciting. And um, there's an energy that it brings. So yeah, I mean, our, 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 to answer your question, there's definitely 
um, our fans have grown up with us. So we, we have fans that have are bringing their own kids to shows these days. We have fans that some of the parents are much older and their kids are like, they have their own families of their own. Or you have uh, this whole new young audience that have discovered our music, whether it be through streaming or TikTok or um, their own avenues of, of wherever it may be. It's, it's, it's pretty incredible. Um, on the last tour, we saw a lot of young people um, who... I think discover our music through like even cake by the ocean. I was watching a, a commercial for a new Sandra Bullock movie and I'm like, Oh, cake by the ocean's in this commercial. So who knows what the crowd's going to be like, but if I have to guess, I think it's going to be a party crowd. That's for sure. That's amazing. That's such a cool vibe too. That's why I love Vegas where you can just like, yeah, look over and you're sharing a drink. I hope to share a baby bottle pop with you someday. That's the, that's the new goal. <laughs> but I didn't know you were honorary Penn Staters. That's pretty cool. Like fun fact. Pretty. Uh, yeah, it is a weird fun fact. We, um, we have a manager who went, who grew up in Penn state, actually two people in the management company grew up in Penn state and a handful of other people that we we've met along the way. And, and some close friends that I, I spend time with some, some athletes that, that played. And, and so any, anytime I go in the area, the Northeast area, and I, I'm looking at the schedule to see if I'm able to make a game and I've been able to like get on the mic, get the, the crowd going. And it's so epic. And so, and I, I almost, I've almost gone twice to college game day. Fingers crossed I can make it happen this year. You can dress up as the mascot. Just do the unveiling. Rip the head off. Oh, my God. It's Joe. This whole time, he's been, <laughs> whole he's been time. the mascot. So I've always missed concerts on Saturdays and Sundays occasionally. Yeah. When did the competition world? I mean, having brothers like I do, I mean, you know how it is. It gets competitive. Is golf still the thing like you're most competitive about with the bros, or is it developed into something else? Is it like, who's the best dad? Like, let's get real into it. <laughs> Oh man, you know, golf is definitely going to be something that we we really share that we can get out there and and kind of let loose and and we definitely get competitive. I'm probably the least competitive out of the brothers. Like you get Kevin and out there if they're sharing a golf cart, it's just it's bad news bears. I think that what worked for them in their favor over the last 2 years is that you couldn't in some country clubs you couldn't share a cart um or you had a divider and that saved them from like just beating each other up. And I'm just a classic middle brother in the middle. Like, I'm just here to have a drink and have fun. It's our one day off, guys. Like, chillax. We get competitive about random stuff. Like, we got really into me and Nick. We're playing a lot of, um, is it, not, is it, yeah, PGA 2K, where he was in, he was actually here in the UK and I was in LA. And we had a really strange time difference. So I'd wake up around like 10 or 11. It was like, like his day was slowing down and we'd get on PGA and just play and talk and play like 18 holes. <laughs> so gaming became a, a hobby for him as well. It's interesting having the dad aspect now. And I'm curious to like, whenever you need advice on something, are you asking like a brother? Cause they've been through it like Kevin, or are you asking your dad if you ever need advice on stuff like that? I feel like, you know, there's, there's little windows of, of bro questions versus dad questions. You know, I think experience is key in just life in general. Um, I'm watching in real time. Like we're all watching each other in real time go through it. So I think Kev is a phenomenal dad and it's, it just, it's amazing to, to see what he, what he does day in and day out. And, and for years he get, he get bullied up on because we're like, why are you flying back so quick? Come on, we're going to do this cool thing tomorrow. And then you get it because you're like, Oh, well, yeah, I get why he would want to rush back. It's the best thing in the world. So I'd say it's about 50, 50. There's, there's a big questions. Of course, you want to ask your, your, your pops for, um, or just some other really uh, influential father figures. Well, you and your wife, you're so big in you know the mental health 
advocacy. What is something you do to kind of, you know, secure your peace of mind in a crazy world in a crazy couple of years? Sure. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, we are really vocal on, on mental health and, and the importance of that. Uh, I think for years it was like something that maybe is like embarrassing to talk about, but now it's like, you realize it just, it's so important to check in on friends and your family and yourself. I have like a morning routine that I've stuck to for the last couple of years and the last two years have been really important for me. And the minute I wake up, I meditate. Um, and, and it's all kind of revolves around apps. Um, I think it's a, a nice way to, to keep myself in check and I can watch how many day streaks I've done. And, um, I, I find it to be really resourceful. So I, I start my day with headspace, the app, and that can be like sitting in silence or brushing my teeth. It's just, it's just a way for, for me to like check in with myself before I'm checking on social media or I'm texting people because it's so easy to look at your phone the first thing in the morning and be like, Oh, I, I have, I have to do this work thing or I miss this call or like something's going on in the world that it just, it's easy to make sure to like, just check in with yourself before you check in with, with anything else. And, and then I write a gratitude list of, of what I'm grateful for for that day. And it could be short, as simple as like, I'm grateful for this coffee that I'm about to have. It's going to give me the energy for the day. Or it's like bigger and broader. I'm grateful that I've, uh, I've got two legs that I can walk and run and uh, eyes that work, that I can see the world and the voice that I can express my love for music. And so everything from the small stuff to the big stuff. And then, um, yeah, that's kind of my morning routine. Um, and, and I find it to be resourceful for myself. Well, yeah, it's like, you know, the message of slowing down, because I feel like we all have that mentality where you wake up and it's just this never ending race. So it's really good to take the time for yourself. Something that messes with my mental lately is the spam calls. I get so many uh, telemarketing (laughs) things and I've turned it into a fun thing where I just like I prank them like I'll go on for forever, just like messing with them for 20 minutes. You're big in the prank call world. I saw this on TikTok and I loved somebody like I didn't think about it. Like wherever, like say I live in Miami, say you get a spam call and just Miami police department may I help you. Like just yeah. throw it right back at them. You you were, you know, a avid prank caller for a minute. Do you have any that like stuck out? One of your favorite prank calls you did? Probably the best prank call I can think of happened to me. Honestly. Um, I, <laughs> well, there's two, I'll tell you the one we, I did recently. And I'll tell you the one, um, that was done to me. So, and I'll make it short, but while shooting the movie, we all, a bunch of the cast, we all went away on vacation together. Um, we had like a weekend off and we called one of our castmates parents and pretended like they were locked up for the night. Like they, they got, I don't know what they did. They, they illegally parked or something happened, whatever confrontation. And then, and so we called and then like, you could use, I guess, Google translate and whatever you type, it sounds like robotic. So we said, hi, this is blah, 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 calling on the behalf of this person. Please call this number now. And so, anyway, it was very elaborate. It worked. And then I guess somebody forgot to call to tell them that it was a joke. And it was just, it got bad. Um, and then the worst, the worst one, or the best worst one was I was a huge Sting fan. And somehow my buddy took my phone and put Sting's number in my, made it look like Sting had, I had Sting's number. It was like, yeah. And then Sting apparently was texting me being like, Hey man, Oh no, this person. And I, there was a, there was like a, a person who knew him and knew me. So I really believed it could be possible that Sting somehow had my number. And now looking back and thinking back, I was like, what was I thinking? But I was young. My buddies kept it going for a couple of hours to the point where I thought Sting was going to like walk through my door. 
And I was so mad and so embarrassed. And I was like, it, it was it was really well done. Hey, it's Sting. I'm outside the gate. Let me in. Or something. <laughs> you know <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, you got to have those hobbies. Big one of yours is photography, which I'm so interested in hearing about. What inspires you with photography? Is it just like everyday moments? Like, what's the things you love to to capture, basically? Yeah, photography is um, is something that I I've always been a fan of, but in the last couple of years, I've really enjoyed. I have a little like point and shoot camera, uh, and I take it everywhere with me. And what if it's like photos of just like behind the scenes? that I capture that I think the biggest difference is with the iPhone, like you'll take like five photos really fast. And sometimes we don't even look back at them. Like we, we just, we do it because it's like, Oh my God, this is such a great moment. And then you don't even really care. You're just like, it goes in thousands of photos and maybe occasionally there's one or two that you're like, Oh, that was like, that was a cool memory. But what I love about photography when it comes to like a film camera is that you have to wait for, see the outcome and you, you don't get it right away. And, Sometimes the photo can just be garbage and you're like, ah, that is blurry. And then sometimes you're like, wow, I don't know how I got this special moment. Things that you kind of forget about. And uh, I find myself pulling out my film camera more than my iPhone and it just looks a lot better as well. And there's just something about it that I really appreciate. And so I'm going to keep it up and I'm going to, I have like a little idea to do a coffee table book of like behind the scenes stuff of of the places I've traveled. I've done it for like six, seven years now. And uh, I have an Instagram account just at cup of Joe where I kind of, um, every every few weeks or every few months, whenever I get a new rollback, I'll, I'll post something. Yeah, it is so fun. There's something about like the exclusiveness of it. You have to wait for it. You know, we don't have that enough in life. Netflix, you can just watch the entire series at once. Like, there's something about having to wait for it. And I, I'm in the same boat. I just got like a little point shoot. I just went to Hawaii for the first time ever, and oh, nice. I just turned it in, and it's like like a two dollars a photo it seems like is what it comes out to but it's so worth it like once you get those back it's just like those memories that you know mean so much more absolutely there's nothing like being able to have photos that you you'll be able to treasure for years to come or frame them and and just it's a special thing and i try not to edit them too much i just want people to be able to be encouraged to go out there and do it themselves um, and showcase that I'm not like occasionally I'll, I'll edit a little things here and there, but for the most part, it's, it's what you get. And um, I'm not, you know, the best photographer, but I, I sure as hell love it and enjoy it. And um, it seems like people do as well. I love the idea of the coffee book. That'd be so fun, um, especially with like your side projects, because you really do so much, including acting, which is so impressive. What's harder for you? Is it acting or like making music? Oh, wow. You know, I feel like. That's a great question. Uh, I think I I put them in such different categories mentally, I feel, but they're both challenging at times when when it comes to acting, you are becoming someone else and and you want to do that person, whether it's real person or character justice and immerse yourself in that. And I've been lucky to spend some time with some phenomenal actors recently who have been so encouraging in their craft and the way they work, everybody from the drama side to the comedy side. Uh, it's hard work because it's, you repeat yourself a lot. Um, and sometimes you can feel like you're going crazy, but it's not about just getting a, a ton of different takes of the same thing. It's like your opportunity to play and to figure out who, who this person is. And so I, I do enjoy it, but it can be challenging in the music. You know, I feel like more so than recently, I have the opportunity to write some songs that are, are not related necessarily to my personal life. Um, which, has been really exciting for me because I feel like once you 
only speak on this is my life, this is what I'm up to. It, it's hard for the whole world to relate to that. I'm, I understand that it's um, it, to say like, oh, I'm, like you're not going to write a song like what I'm, I'm going to write a song about like what we just spoke about, like photography and working out and mental health. Like, you, yeah, I'm not going to talk about my personal life too much, but I like to play with it and, and build like a persona. And I think there's some amazing artists that have been doing it recently. So uh, I've been challenging myself more on that. Well, man, I, listen, I know you got to get to dinner. I don't want to hold you too long, but I want to wrap with uh, two kind of more thought provoking questions. You don't have to take a super long time on these, but just something to kind of pick your brain on that. Is that cool? Please. With everything that's going on, we'll stick to like, the last 12 months. What's been your happiest memory this year? Oh, wow. Happiest memory. I can name a lot. Um, but to, um, to, to name a, uh, to name one for now, uh, I will say, um, on the music front, I, I think being able to release music again with the NC has been really rewarding. Um, something that I kind of was saying goodbye to, and this kind of realization that you don't really have to close the door. You can just keep it open. And the, the fans really wanted to hear new stuff. And I'm, and I'm so grateful that I can do this every single day. You know, I got to play a huge tour with my brothers and we performed in some of the most iconic venues, Red Rocks. And then we played um, Fenway Stadium. That was just, those were two huge highlights for me. Wanting to perform there, going to see concerts there and, and, and to actually do it was, was special. That's incredible. And then this almost kind of bleeds into that one. But what's something that your younger self would not believe about your life today? Oh, man. I, I would say more than anything um, that I'm still doing this. You know, I think like I know my younger self believed I could do it, but the hard work had to be put in into place. And, and uh, so I'm proud of that kid because he, he busted his ass to, to get where he is now. And I, I'm just... I'm so grateful because I know there's so many great artists that we find on whatever it be Spotify, whatever streaming service you love, or, or if you're just out there listening on the radio, like we listen to new, new music all the time. And the fact that um, we still have a huge fan base that comes to concerts and listens to our music, uh, whether it be DNC or Jonas Brothers, I, I feel really grateful. And then I get to do it with my brothers and have a great, healthy relationship. It's, it's just what you could only dream of. So um, good job, little Joe. To see more of Bruce's conversation with Joe Jonas, search Spout Podcast on IG, Twitter, or TikTok, or at spoutpodcast.com. On the next Spout Podcast, Paul Oakenfold spouts off. Look, I'm a working class guy, as I told you, born in East London, who's dyslexic and really suffered at school. But I lived in a house, in a home where my dad was a musician, my mum was a, a chef, and it was a, a great, great family. Looking back at it, now I realise how lucky I was. The Spout Podcast is presented by Alpha Media and created by Phil Becker. Spout.